Hello, everybody. My name is Anthony. And I'm Holly. Welcome to episode 43 of Welcome to Primetime. Um, so I hope everybody is doing well today. Uh, we're gonna, going to talk about uh, four movies, I believe. Uh, and so these are four that we have watched fairly recently. There's a little bit of um, kind of, I guess, a gap or a delay in the ones that we are watching and talking about because of the the backlog of episodes that we've created. So these are ones that we watched a couple of weeks ago. And so we're just now kind of getting around to talking about them. But these four are really fun. Two of them are direct to Blu-ray releases and actually maybe three of them. And the uh, and uh, another one is called Hell Comes to Frogtown, which is an 80s movie that Vinegar Syndrome put out. Uh, and so the other three we're going to talk about and then Hell Comes to Frogtown, we're going to kind of talk about a little, not quite in-depth, but we're going to discuss a little bit of it. And then if you want to hear more about that one, you can check out our Patreon uh, where we dive in much, much deeper. But before we do all that, I did want to let everybody know that we now have, uh, in addition to our Patreon, we also have a website and you can order merch from us. We have all kinds of different stuff, t-shirts and hoodies and we also have, I think, some sweatpants and all kinds of cool stuff. So it's just something that we kind of put together and, and designed. And um, yeah, all the stuff has been designed by us and I'm excited about it. So, And by us, he means himself because he is the talent behind the graphic design. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to do with it. Well, I was well, trying to give you some credit because you're part of the team. But Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm here for moral support. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, I'm excited. Um, this is kind of like... So, I mean, if you guys have been, if anybody has been here with us since the very first episode, the beginning, you'll know that this kind of started sort of as a way to like, because Holly hadn't seen a whole bunch of movies that we were watching at the time. And then I was like, it'd be really fun if we just kind of made a podcast and talked about the different movies that you're watching for the first time. And so two years later, here we are, and it's kind of evolved into this. So it's, it's kind of fun. And mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to do this, like the, the Patreon, the merch and the website is just another way to kind of like connect with people. Uh, and so, yeah. yeah. Anthony's designs are really clever. Um, he used a lot of taglines from horror movies, um, and kind of made them puns because he's the pun master. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm definitely a fan of the Friday the 13th, uh, one podcast will never be the same. Thanks. Or, yeah, <laughs> or Fridays yeah. will never be the same because we post on Fridays. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I didn't really want to like, I, I know that they're not super, super, creative and out there as far as like it's probably been done before that sort of thing like people have ripped off Friday the 13th or Halloween and made it onto a shirt and I'm not really too concerned about that because I don't really take it like I take the podcast seriously but I don't really take the the extra stuff I don't take myself super seriously is what I'm trying to say basically like I take all the things seriously um I enjoy it and I want to do more yeah, and but you can, you at the same time, I just don't like I don't take myself too seriously. And I guess is what I'm, you know, kind of getting at. And um, yeah, so a lot of love went into them. A lot of love. <laughs> so you guys can check that out and check out our website if you'd like to. It's welcome to primetime dot com. And there's links on there to check out the merch and order if you'd like. Also, um, thank you for all of our patrons that are out there. Uh, we are slowly but surely building. And I wanted to just say a quick shout out to all you guys. Thank you. And you can check us out over on Patreon. We're just welcome to primetime. I believe it's, I can't remember. I think it's welcome to primetime to the sequel on Patreon. And 
again, another example of how I don't take myself too seriously because, you know, anyway. So all that being said, thank you for joining us today, sticking with us. And so for episode 43, we've got a couple of fun ones that we wanted to talk about. The first of them being a brand new film called Psycho Gorman, which we had a blast with. And so we're going to tell you a little bit about that one. Um, this actually came out, it says 2020, but it's probably for film festival or something. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. And this, this one is, is a, it's really fun. It's kind of like, it spends most of its time as sort of like almost a PG 13, like PG PG 13 type movie. And then there's just moments of like ridiculous over the top gore. Um, which I thought was really funny. So this one is directed by a guy named Steven Kostansky and he, which is, is really interesting because he also directed the void and these two, I think could not be more tonally different than the other one. Agree. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, anyway, so, so some story about this one, just kind of give you a little bit to go on here after, um, these two kids, basically they find this gym, and I think it's their, is it their backyard? They're, yeah, because I think mm-hmm. they're digging. And so they find this gym that's in their backyard and then they figure out through the course of the movie, actually pretty early on in the movie, that it controls this evil monster who's basically looking to destroy the universe. And the girl is, she is played, um, so her name is is Mimi and she is played by Anita I think her middle name is Josie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Nita Josie Hannah is her name. And she is one of these, like, the most opportunist, like, kids, I or actually people, really, but especially kids that I've seen in a movie. She knows exactly how to, like, work people. Um, she kind of has everybody wrapped around the tip of her finger, so to speak. And she knows exactly what to do, what to say, and to get people to do whatever she wants, basically. And she kind of like bullies and torments her brother, even though he's older than she is. Uh, And so her and her brother find this gym and then realize that they can use it to uh, control our our main antagonist, Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. And then everything kind of goes from there. So, I mean, I thought it was really, really fun. It's very tongue in cheek, very campy, very like it. I mean, it's it's looks like it would be something that you would find at a video store in the late eighties. And I absolutely love that about it. So, but I'm going to let Holly tell uh, a little bit about what she enjoyed too. Yeah. So, um, Mimi just personally, she really got on my nerves, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, she's a bit of a bossy, a bossy girl, like your classic, like bossy classmate when you're in the fourth grade. Um, but I really enjoyed the movie overall, even with her character being slightly annoying to me. I thought that it just kind of made sense in, in the movie. Like, it wouldn't be Psycho Gorman without her. <laughs> um, so I really liked the musical numbers that they put into it. Um, and I really like the um, inclusion of the crazy ball thing. And it's kind of like this reverse take on good versus evil, um, where you want the evil to lose and the good to prevail uh this is kind of like the opposite <laughs> in yeah. this movie you're you're totally rooting for pg the entire movie because like every character that you meet except for the children are kind of morons mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better word um 
I do agree with you to an extent about Mimi. She got on my nerves towards the end of the movie, and I think that she was written to do that because if it was up to her brother to like there there really wouldn't be much of a story because he's so timid and shy that I don't think he would use the gym to do what Mimi did. I don't mm-hmm. think that, and her brother's name is Luke and I don't think that Luke would really he's not as much as an opportunist as Mimi is. And so I don't think that he would have taken full advantage of of the gym and so therefore we would basically have no movie. I think that she was written that way to basically like I said to just like she was going to take advantage of that. She's kind of the person that likes to squeeze every last drop out of something that she possibly can, even though she's only like 10 years old, if that. And that's kind of my takeaway. So like I was, I was a little bit more forgiving of that. I think than I normally would have been for any other type of movie because I feel like she was, that was, you know, done on purpose. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this one a lot. It's super fun. There's, I mean, it's, it's like right at an hour and a half and, um, all the effects were practical and there's this kind of like, I was watching some behind the scenes stuff on this and, and the director was just talking about how he loved, uh, like classic sci-fi and, and horror and stuff like that. And he just kind of threw like the kitchen sink into it. And, and there's some elements of like when the, it's like this intergalactic council sort of meeting. And when I watched it, I was like, Oh, this reminds me a lot of star Wars, just the kind of like the like council meetings and stuff that don't make any sense. You feel like you're just dropped into it in the middle of their conversation and everything is like, you know, council and, and the intergalactic blah, blah, blah. And this, this goes against the like peace treaties and the like, and, and none of it really makes any sense to you. And, and like, and I was like, yeah like this definitely feels like star wars and that's exactly what he said in the in the behind the scenes stuff was that it was supposed to feel like you were just dropped in the middle of this like big like this story is bigger than you are and um you're just kind of dropped in in the middle of it and that's exactly what i felt like that during those parts and i think it was also supposed to be very tongue-in-cheek as well uh the movie doesn't really take itself too seriously so uh yeah but basically pg like is is he wants to enslave all, all of humanity and and um these two kind of even though he's like this big terrifying monster they just kind of get him to do whatever they want because they have the gym that controls them and then everything kind of goes kind of from there i, I feel like some stuff definitely goes a little off kilter like that is not so like stuff that they don't intend to happen ends up happening because they're kids and they don't think everything all the way through mm-hmm. so that's kind of my take on it too, but I, I enjoyed it overall. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. I look forward to watching it again. Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. I mean, <laughs> I feel like they, I feel like they, there could easily be a sequel to it. Oh yeah. And, uh, but yeah, anyway, so that is Psycho Gorman from 2020 directed by Steven Konstansky. Konstansky, excuse me. So. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Moving on to number two is another new one starring Nicolas Cage. And it is called Willy's Wonderland. This one actually is from 2021. And this is kind of another, I believe, direct to Blu-ray one. This is directed by a guy named Kevin Lewis. Uh, Like I said, starts Nicolas Cage. And this is essentially, I I mean, I feel like it's Five Nights at Freddy's if it was an R-rated film. Yeah. Is basically what this is. So you have more Five Nights at Freddy's experience than I do. So I'll let you be the kind of voice of that one. And and like, as it, I mean, did it remind you of that 
Oh, absolutely. As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, oh my gosh, they made Five Nights at Freddy's into a movie. They beat Five Nights at Freddy's to the punchline, I feel like. Um, I love this movie so much because I've been watching, watching <laughs> Five Nights at Fre Freddy's playthroughs because I am too afraid to play scary games myself. <laughs> so I've been watching them for a pretty long time. Um, since the first one, I would say, came out. I don't know what year that was. It's not a video game podcast. Anyways, um, so basically, Nicolas Cage plays this janitor, and his character is the janitor. We don't know his name. We don't really know anything <laughs> else about him There's other than the energy drink that he drinks all the time. I forget what it's called. Yeah, um, I don't remember either, but yeah. he drinks one. He drinks this specific energy drink, like, every time. He, every he, like, hour. Every hour on the, yeah, like, on the dot, he, he like, does. So, so before we get there, I guess we should say... So he's driving his car down the highway, Nicholas mm -hmm. Cage's. He's just kind of this drifter character. He's driving his car and his tires blow. And then there's like, I feel like there's something else that's wrong with the car too. But anyway, he's got to get, he's got to get his car towed. He gets a towed to this dealership or not dealership, but it's like kind of mechanic shop. And then the mechanic that works there is like, yeah, I'm not going to really be able to do anything until like later on. And then he goes mm -hmm. to give him his credit card and he's like, oh, we don't take we don't take credit. We only take cash. And then Nicholas Cage doesn't have any cash on him. So he's like, okay, well, would you like to work this off instead? And then he's, so he, <laughs> Nicholas Cage doesn't say anything at all. He has not a single line of dialogue in this movie, but, uh, through body language, he <laughs> agrees to work off his debt to this mechanic. And so they bring him to this like old boarded up kind of like fun house type place, mm -hmm. kind of like a putt putt or like a laser tag type place like arcade anyway so he's like yeah we're, we're gonna reopen this place up pretty soon and then it w but we need it to be clean and it like it's been boarded up shut and so it's it's like super filthy and nasty and there's dust everywhere and so nicholas cage goes in and he agrees to basically clean this place up in exchange for the guy fixing his car for him and so then yeah, so so then he um, starts his work, um, and it turns out, you know, obviously in Five Nights at Freddy's fashion, there's like a conspiracy theory about um, the animatronics, uh, that they come to life at night, uh, that they have eaten people in the past, <laughs> um, although the bite of 87 Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, the animatronics start coming to life hour by hour, um, and the boss is Willie the Weasel, who is the mascot of Willie's Wonderland. Um, also, a side plot is that these teenagers are um, trying to burn down Willie's uh, because one of the teenagers has a past with Willie's Wonderland, and they're trying to put an end to whatever mysterious thing is going on inside. Um, and it's kind of revealed that Nicolas Cage's character is not the first one uh, to be offered the deal of paying off their car uh, being broken down by cleaning Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, um, so th this is kind of, I, I think we can kind of say a little bit more without getting really, really into spoilers, um, but kind of ho Holly touched on this a little bit and said, you know, the, Nicolas Cage's character is, is definitely not the first person who, who has been offered um, to have their car fixed after it's been broken down. So it may or may not be intentional for people, for these people, uh, these people's cars to keep getting, you know, flat tires or getting broken down on this stretch of road. 
Um, but the reasoning behind that is kind of revealed later on in the movie about, you know, kind of three quarters of the way through, you start to figure out why they're making their cars break down if that's what they're doing and like why they need people to go into this building. And um, you they, they do also kind of reveal the reason that these animatronics are coming to life and all the kind of backstory that's that is it basically just has to do with you know all these all these <laughs> there's like what five six of them that come to life and then Nicolas Cage meets these teenage kids that Holly mentioned earlier and they want to help him out and kind of do in some ways and then in other ways and in, in typical like horror movie slasher type fashion they kind of inevitably get themselves killed off some do some don't I'm not gonna mention which ones do which ones don't but yeah, I mean, all in all, it's pretty fun. It's kind of like I've never played Five Nights at Freddy's before, and I knew exactly where this movie was heading, but it was still really entertaining. There were a few kind of plot twists that I didn't see coming, but I feel like, I mean, I didn't I didn't see them coming immediately, but kind of once I saw it started sort of take that twist, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I feel like I know where this is going now. So it's nothing like groundbreaking or like particularly original, but I had a fun time with it. So. Yeah, this movie knows what it is, but even though like it kind of didn't take itself too seriously, there were some creepy moments in it. Um, just seeing some of the animatronics, the way that they move, I thought that the way they animated it or some of it kind of looked like stop motion at some point. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It looked really cool and um, kind of creepy and the lighting was really cool. I just like the style of this movie a lot. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that too. You know, I, I like the sort of neon kind of lighting, the gel cinematography type something. This is, I don't think it's just like gel or anything like that, but I think that it was, the lighting was very, it was like you said, it was really cool. It was, there's lots of like blues and pinks and purples and stuff like that. And so I always like when a film is really well lit and uses a lot of different colors and it definitely has a really cool color palette. So throughout the movie, it's pretty consistent. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was I think it's worth a watch. It was it was cool. I think I ended up finding this one at Target for like 13 or 13 or 15 dollars, something like that. It was like a, I bought it uh, when it came out because we were pretty excited to, to watch it. And I've, I feel pretty satisfied with with having bought it. So if you can check it out, you know, rent it or, or buy it. I think it's like four bucks on Prime to, to rent. So and if you like Five Nights at Freddy's, you'll definitely like this movie. Yeah. So I, I feel like even if not, because like I said, I haven't even ever played a Five Nights at Freddy's game. I don't really want to. But um, yeah, I mean, this this was fun. I, I totally enjoyed it. So uh, I think that uh, if you're if you're a fan or if you're not a fan of, you know, of Five Nights at Freddy's, then this I don't think it really matters a whole lot. I think maybe you might enjoy it a little bit more if you're a fan. But other than that, I mean, it's still uh, like I said, I had, a, I had a fun time with it. It's definitely like a popcorn flick, get a couple of friends together and and watch this one. So I enjoyed it. This one's called again, Willie's Wonderland and it's directed by a guy named Kevin Lewis. So, uh, so film number three is, is definitely the most different out of, out of these, uh, this list that we have here. And this one is from 2019. Although I feel like I've just recently started seeing it more and more. So I think it like, like, uh, we said about the first one that we talked about psycho Gorman, that it was, that this one is probably kind of came out in some film festivals and then just started kind of gaining some traction uh, over the last couple of months. This one is is called Synchronic, uh, and it stars Anthony Mackie and Jamie uh, Doran, and it's set in New Orleans, and it's about these two cops, or not, not cops, excuse me, two paramedics, and they 
basically it, it, it oh man i don't even really know how to describe this one without like because everything is so interconnected in it but the best way that i could describe it is these two paramedics they kind of discover this this weird drug that kind of almost i guess it transports people to like other time periods mm -hmm. And so we don't really know how this particular drug works, but it kind of the story starts off with with Anthony Mackie, who plays a guy named Steve, and then Jamie Doran, who plays a guy named Dennis. And these these two are paramedics. They're they're typically working together. And so Anthony Mackie kind of his character Steve finds out through the course of the movie that he has a a brain tumor, and. So he has kind of he started starts to take on this like nothing to lose sort of mentality. And after Dennis's daughter goes missing, Steve sort sort of starts to investigate. They kind of find like a this particular drug at several different like I don't know, crime scene mm -hmm. or like call basically just calls that they get called to. And they find this drug, and that's sort of the common link between all of these random, like, disappearances and stuff. And so Dennis's daughter disappears, and Steve finds that drug pretty close to where she disappeared and starts to investigate. And then he meets a chemist who made this particular drug and then kind of finds out that it can actually take you to other places in time. And where you go depends on where you are currently at when you take the drug. And then it's sort of like after it kicks in and all that. Um, this one was pretty bleak though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was pretty depressing. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be so depressing. Um, there are a few things that I really appreciate about this movie though. Um, whenever I first read the description at Videodrome, um we and we decided to rent it i know that you're like a stickler for time travel movies so as soon as i saw it was like a time travel pill i was like heck yeah we gotta rent this thing yes i am 100 percent a sucker for time travel for <laughs> for aquatic horror so i'm waiting for somebody to make an aquatic horror time travel movie and then i'll just be like well this is the best movie ever anyway <laughs> continue um, so I appreciated that part about it just because I know that you really like those movies. Um, so they kind of, you know, have a special place in my heart too. Um, another thing I really appreciated about this was that I felt like it did something different with the main characters. You see a lot of these kind of, you know, like designer drug, like horror movies come from the perspective of cops, um, because they have more insight into a crime scene, autopsies, that sort of thing. Uh, these guys are just paramedics, so they just see the triage, the like surface level of things, so they can only infer what happens after they get their patients at the hospital. Um, it shows some work with cops, um, but not a whole lot. So you're not getting a whole lot of information about like a killer or a drug. So it's like from a different perspective of, I guess, first responders, which I appreciated. Yeah, and it also like it, it deals with the human drama element a little bit more too. This is, I would definitely categorize this as like a hard sci-fi movie though, because there's some really kind of weird, bizarre parts and there's that element of time travel there. And I mean, honestly, I kind of spent about 60, 65% of the movie kind of like, I wonder where this is going. Like 
it didn't really, there was lots of parts that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And then at the end, most things get tied, you know, together. It gets tied up and you're like, it's a pretty satisfying conclusion, but um, it's a wild ride getting there. And there is some humor that's thrown into it, but I mean, overall, it like it was way, way more bleak and depressing than I thought it was going to be. And it kind of paints <laughs> it sort of paints New Orleans, honestly, like this really horrific, like not super great place to be. And I mean, it I, <laughs> that's like, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to speak into that any, but it just kind of. It, the the way that this movie portrays the the city that it's set in is like, wow, I don't ever want to go there. <laughs> it's kind of the vibe that I got from this. Um, but like, and I mean, I guess anyway, I don't want to go down too deep of a rabbit hole, but I guess that's kind of like it, the, the same could be said for basically any big like metropolitan area is like, oh, I don't ever want to go there. You know, mm-hmm. if you only focus on the negative. And I feel like this movie spends a lot of time focusing on just the the negative aspects of like, of everything uh it's just like one when a character kind of is like at their lowest something else happens to like make them even lower and i i don't want to give too too much away but like our our for example what i was just talking about uh dennis's character is having a like a really hard time with his wife and they're kind of like you kind of get the vibe that they're like almost on the edge of divorce and then the thing happens with their daughter brianna and then you're like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to get divorced. And then, you know, like there's just all this kind of like stuff that keeps piling up. And so it's like I, I was like, I didn't even know how my man Dennis was still functioning. You know, <laughs> like uh, he's like he's working as a paramedic. So he already sees all this crazy stuff happening. And then he, he's like kind of having marital problems with his wife. And then his his daughter disappears. And then Steve is just having a really hard time. And like then he figures out that he has a brain tumor. It's like all this like crazy stuff keeps happening with characters. So all that stuff is kind of touched on a lot. And then you have the drug element that gets the drug, like time travel element that get, gets introduced kind of, um, I mean, pretty early on in the movie, but the our, our two leads uh, don't really find out about that until probably about 30, 40 minutes into the movie. But at the audience gets like, from the very first scene is is basically you're, you kind of get a front row seat of like what this, what this drug can do, so. I thought it was pretty interesting. I feel like overall it was a good pick. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for picking because I don't. I don't know. Like I'd heard a lot about it, but I don't know that I necessarily would have picked it on my own. So, uh, yeah. I'm glad that you picked it for sure. Yeah, it was somber for sure, but I'm glad I watched it. I would probably watch it again, even though it was kind of sad. But I would watch it again. Yeah, I, I would be pretty curious to watch it again too, just kind of to see like what we missed the first time through and see if there's any clues as to where certain people are at and and like if there's any more insight into like what exactly this this drug like how it works because that was one thing that sort of lost me towards the end was or, or like not necessarily lost me but i guess i was hoping for a little bit more clarity on like how exactly the drug works because they they kind of figure out through like about halfway through or so that depending on the location you're at when you take the drug that affects where you end up, but they didn't really like elaborate on that anymore. And so there's like one part where Steve takes the drug on his couch and ends up in a swamp. There's another part where he takes it like about three or four steps away from his couch and he ends up in like this Arctic type setting. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know about you. I mean, did you did you have any sort of like understanding of how, of how that worked, or were you kind of like hoping for a little bit more too? Yeah, I feel like it was just kind of random, honestly. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of how I felt too. And so I would have liked to have seen some more of that, just a little bit more insight into like what exactly has to happen in, for in order for you to end up in like this area. Like, can you can you figure out the the like kind of method behind the madness, so to speak? And like, if you want to go back in this certain time period, like, is it predictable? Like, could you figure mm-hmm. out how to how yeah. to do that? Like, the only thing I could think of is that if it sent you back to the most significant event at that point in time of where you were at. So the part wherever he goes to the Arctic, he lights a fire. And then the caveman, he finds him and kind of discovers that fire is warm there. So was that where fire was discovered? Was it because of him? Is time linear or cyclic? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one way to look at it. Like maybe, maybe... And that, like, if you move to your left, you go back farther in time. If you move to your right, you go back in a more recent time period. I, I don't mm-hmm. know, but it was pretty interesting. And yeah, I would, I would definitely check it out. And and if you haven't seen it, and uh, and we might end up watching it again, just kind of seeing what we can kind of figure out if, uh, like, if we've missed anything or if there's any other clues that might kind of help explain a little bit more. But anyway, this one is called Synchronic from 2019, directed by. Justin Benson, and Aaron Moorhead. So, rolling on to our number four movie, and this is the last one for today. So, this one is uh, is an 80s movie. This is the one that we mentioned earlier called Hell Comes to Frogtown. And so, this one we're not really going to talk about a whole lot because we're actually going to be talking about this one in the second installment of our kind of deep dives on, uh, on our Patreon. And so what we've decided to do i thought it would be a really fun idea to go to the midnight movie section of videodrome like the cult midnight movie type section and just pick the most random obscure titles that we can find watch them and then report back to to you guys about them and so we've kind of decided that this is going to be sort of a patreon exclusive kind of sub show that like we kind of you know just update weekly or bi-weekly anyway but we we decided like we were going to talk about it a little bit on here and then if you want the full deep dive you can go over to patreon and check that out if you'd like to so you're kind of going to get like a ten thousand foot view of this film here and then we're really going to dive into it over on patreon so anyway this one is from 1988 and it stars uh roddy piper as a guy named sam hell and this is directed by donald g jackson and rj kaiser and <laughs> so this one's really funny, actually. It's very campy, very tongue-in-cheek, it, and it takes place after a worldwide nuclear war and a very specific <laughs> percentage of the population, 68% of the male population was wiped out uh, with environment uh, kind of becoming a rarity. And then this guy, Sam Hell, played by Roddy Piper, <laughs> is a scavenger and a high, highly viral man and he is assigned to help rescue a group of fertile women who have been kidnapped by humanoid frogs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Holly picked this one out. It was not I. <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard about it before only because Vinegar Syndrome uh, put it out on Blu-ray. 
Uh, and I, so I was very excited to watch this. I, she actually texted me and was like, so there, it's between Hell Comes to Frogtown and... What, hobo with a Shotgun. Hobo with a Shotgun. And I, I, like, I was like, I've heard of Hobo with a Shotgun. Like, I, I think I'd rather watch Hell Comes to Frogtown. So we rented this one. And yeah, it was super fun. Very campy. Very 80s. Very cheesy. Very weird. Yeah, super weird. Super bizarre. I don't know where they came up with this concept at all. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> know either. I, I kind of feel like... It was sort of like it was this weird interpretation of like Mad Max if Mad Max had giant mutant frogs. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It was just very bizarre. So anyway, <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, I don't know. Like, I mean, you should definitely watch it. I'm not going to be like, oh, this is the best movie ever. I highly recommend it. But we had a blast watching it. Mm-hmm. So uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out a great Blu-ray of it. It's super like great restoration. There's like there's bonus features all that kind of good stuff on there so i think my favorite comment that you made throughout the whole movie was you know this is way more competently shot than i thought it would be honestly it was it was actually like the i mean it was a really it was a well-made movie for a movie called hell comes to Frogtown. yeah like it really the was costumes were great yeah great. good cinematography the editing was actually like really well done um I mean, the acting was all right, too. Honestly, it mm-hmm. was it was not bad. So, yeah, <laughs> if you're looking for a wild ride, uh, check this one out. I think it's on Prime. And yeah, it's it's just called Hell Comes to Frogtown. So definitely check it out. And if you want to know more about it, head over to our Patreon and check that out, too. We're going to be taking a deep dive into that and uh, getting a little weird. So come get weird with us. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for for joining us today and be sure to follow us over on Instagram. Check out the website, welcome to primetimepodcast.com and we'll be back soon with another one. Bye for now. Bye.